Blog Talk Radio. is going to be very, very interesting tonight because we got a couple of topics uh, that we're going to definitely get deep into. And uh, I've been actually on Facebook putting some information out there, some questions to some of my Facebookers. And I've gotten, you know, mixed responses for the most part for some of the questions. And, you know, so I think it's going to make for a great, to- uh, great show topic tonight. Yeah, we can get right into it right now. Uh, the topic of tonight is higher standards. Uh, do we hold certain people to higher standards than we do other people? And one of the hot topics, Brian, is the Michael Vick situation. You have mm-hmm. an athlete being held to a higher standard than most politicians. Most politicians. Well, you, and, you know, it... it, it it made for an interesting question. I posed the question out there about Michael Vick, and you know, initially I was going to put it out there and ask, was it a race factor? But then I thought about um, another athlete who just recently got in trouble for killing a person, and you know, it made me think about it. I'm like, wait a minute, is this really about? race, black or white, or is it human race versus the animal world? I know some of the animal rights people will say it's a lot different in the situation, but I beg to differ, you know. And the other athlete I'm talking about, of course, is Dante Stallworth of the Cleveland Browns. You know, he was, uh, he did 28 days in jail for killing a migrant worker. And when you think about it, 28 days in jail, He's out. He's not being, you know, it, well, okay, he's out for the 09 season right now. And that's pretty much the extent of what they did to him. And he's been very apologetic, of course. You know, he, he cooperated with authorities. He know he did something wrong. But herein lies the dilemma. He killed a person while being high and drunk and... Mike Vick bankrolled a dog fighting ring where he's allegedly, you know, well, he's, I won't say allegedly. They say he killed dogs. They say he tortured animals. And the animals' rights people are literally calling for his head. You know, he's lost millions of dollars in endorsements, everything that he, his whole life was ruined from that incident. But yet still you have another athlete that kills a person and he just he does he does less time than you would if you were you know 
if you got caught smoking a joint. <laughs> but, but do you think um, there was more of an outcry for the animals than there were for this this migrant worker or this person? Um, I, I'm not sure who, who he was, but mm-hmm. there wasn't a, a big outcry about this. There wasn't no. a big outcry about him driving under the influence mm-hmm. and killing a person. There wasn't a big outcry for him, but there was an outcry, and there still is an outcry uh, for Michael Vick. And I'm not saying that anybody should go out and attack Mr. Stallworth or or anything like that. I'm just saying the way that it is presented, the way that it looks, and the way that it, it, it is what it is. I mean, you, you hear it, you see it, uh, and you have people calling for Michael Vick's head I'm pretty much. And, and I, I saw when he signed with the Philadelphia Eagles, I saw where a lot of people were there and saying that, they, you know, that's no longer their team and this and that. Okay, he went through the system. He went to the system. He went to the justice mm-hmm. system. The justice system imposed their sanctions on him. He did those things. But, again, they still don't want this man to have a, a life, so to speak. They don't want him on television. They don't want him playing in the NFL. They don't want him doing anything. And some of the people that are saying these things, it is, I mean, it is, it's, it's brutal. And then, you, you know, and then you're going to have some people say, well, look at the things that he did to the animals. Well, he paid, he paid the price for that. Right. And I'm sure, and I'm sure he's still paying the price for that. Well, when you think about it, here it is, what, the better part of three years ago, he was the highest paid NFL player. He's the first $100 million NFL player. And now today, he's making, you know, now he, of, of course, he's making money again because he does have a contract with the NFL. But it's nowhere near the money that he was making, one. And two, he's being scrutinized for trying to work. Now, mind you, some people would probably feel better if he was out there a criminal on the street committing more crimes. You know, and herein lies the dilemma. You you don't hear anyone calling for Dante Stallworth's head or any of the other guys that commit heinous acts. I mean, look at the number of NFL players that have been in trouble with the law for, you know, beating their spouse or domestic disputes, and you don't have anybody calling for their heads. You know, dare I say, the only person that's really been tough on him has been the commissioner. You know, and, and even with that, you know, do you think it was fair for Mike Vick to do, you know, a number of years in jail and then still when he got out and he's served his time and he's paid his debt and all he's trying to do now is get his life back in order for him to be penalized again? Well, let me ask you this. I, I, I started following the Michael Vick story when it first happened I was following it and if if I'm wrong please tell me did the prosecutors in this case did they cut deals with everybody except Michael Vick or when they did cut a deal with Michael Vick he was the only one that was given a jail sentence oh no some of the other guys got jail sentences but you got to remember that those guys were the ones that were sort of quote unquote doling out the punishment to these animals, and they said that Mike, you know, and their testimony said that Mike Vick participated as well. But how, 
why is it that he got more time? Because he was the big fish. You see, that's the, that's the thing. He was the one whose name carried more weight. Name another person in that case. You see? Uh, here's the one even better. Most people don't even remember why they even showed up at Mike Vick's house. It was because his cousin had been busted for drugs. His cousin was living in the house. Mike Vick didn't live there. It was a house that he bought, and the family was there, and he didn't live in that house. You know, I, 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 I don't like to see animals being mistreated myself. I don't like seeing people uh, training their dogs to fight. and, and mm-hmm. but, but you know what? This thing goes back a lot further than just the... Michael Vick situation. I, I I truly believe that there's a lot of dog fighting going on. Uh, oh yeah. Around, and 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 I'm sure. Again, we all know that he's not the only one. Uh, I, no. I think because of his status, it became a really really big thing. But I'm going to ask you a hot question, Brian. Mhm. Do you think that? Michael Vick is the only player in the NFL or in, in any professional sport that was doing this, that were fighting dogs or fighting chickens or, or, or whatever. Come on now, let's be real. We know he wasn't the only one. We know it. There had already been others that talked about getting rid of their animals after the Michael Vick situation because they didn't want to be perceived as being dog fighters. But, you know, let's be frank. If you don't have these dogs for protection and you got nine, ten dogs, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, that qualifies you as being a dog fighter, but, you know, hey, you know, these guys run in the same circles. And, and, and I, you know, another question, too, a, a rich man wouldn't bet a poor man. So who who are the other people that are involved that could put up the kind of money that a rich man would put up, and I'm not saying Michael Vick better on the dogs. I'm not talking. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying that for someone to have a lot of money to bet on dogs, they're going to mm-hmm. bet with somebody else with a lot of money. Right. Right. Absolutely. And you know, I actually know people who who had been involved in dog fighting rings. I'm not going to call their names or anything, but. I know people who had been involved with it when I was younger, and you're right. They they usually they tend to hang around people with lots of money, whether they be rich and famous folks that like it for sport, whether they be drug dealers who are using the money to supplement their other incomes. I mean, the people that are doing this aren't exactly you know you run in the mill criminals. These they spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on grooming these animals, on taking care of these animals. You know, contrary to proper popular belief, they're fighting the dogs, but they they take they take good care of the ones that win. I'll say it like that. If you got a winning dog, they you that dog gets taken care of. That dog eats better than most people. I, you know? just, I just couldn't stand there and watch something like that. I, I just no, no, I, it, not at all. I, I don't understand how uh, anyone could get pleasure out of killing an animal or killing a person or killing anything, basically. Well, well, of course, it's a blood sport. It's like bullfighting. 
or cockfighting. It's a blood sport, and people like blood. I mean, some people believe that boxing is brutal, you know. And so because of that, you know, they watch it. It's a, it's a blood sport. I'm not condoning it. I don't watch it. I don't think it's entertaining. You know, I think it's actually stupid. You know, why would you spend all this money on a dog to see him get chewed to bits by another dog? You know. Well, let, me ask, let me ask you this question. I uh, just got someone on Facebook just sent me uh, just wanted me to ask this question. Do you feel, do we feel or, or does the America feel that the NFL or in, in any professional sport do they feel that the punishment that, are, that that's handed out to blacks are equal to the punishment handed out to the whites? Well, you know. That's a pretty good question. I, I'm I'm reminded of um, a couple of years ago where there was an NFL quarterback that was, you know, photographed drinking with underage teens. You know, they were at a, at a at a party. He's at the party. He's drinking with these underage teens. Nothing happens. What color was he? Well, of course, he was not African-American. He was uh, Caucasian. You know, and that thing, it kind of got to me for a minute because I'm like, well, wait a minute. Nothing happened to him? And then you had another guy, a receiver. I I can't remember his name, but he played for Jacksonville. And he was caught with cocaine in his system. I think he got in a car accident or something like that. Nothing happened to him. And then while he was out on... Bail, he got into more trouble from drinking, you know, and eventually he got cut from his team. But I I don't recall hearing any suspension. Maybe like a four, you know, I think he might have done the uh, two, you know, two month or two game suspension thing or something like that, but nothing lengthy. And here's a guy who's who's caught with drugs not once but twice in the same season. I remember a tight end that played with the Green Bay Packers. I think he was charged, uh, being charged with having sex with a minor. And Mm -hmm. uh, he he wasn't an African-American. And I I don't know how much publicity it got. I really didn't see a lot. Nothing like with the Michael Vick situation or, or uh, some of the other uh, black athletes. but And and this show is not about attacking uh, the whites or or saying that the blacks are just being overly mistreated and this type of thing. We're not talking about that. We're only dealing with the facts. We're only dealing, dealing with the things that are on television and the things that are in the news. Mm-hmm. We're just saying that it looks like it is what it is. Right. And it's kind of hard for someone to say, well, yeah, they get the same treatment. That's, that's just not true. It, it, I mean, the, the, the facts of the situations, they speak for themselves. I don't think anyone, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out uh, mm-hmm. what's going on. And right now I, I just saw on television that there's a big-time star quarterback uh, someone came up with said that he assaulted some woman, sexually assaulted a woman. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know how far that's going or where that is right now, 
but I can tell you that it's not going to be handled like uh, the Michael Vick situation. I can guarantee you that. Or even a Kobe Bryant situation. Because <laughs> if you recall, Kobe Bryant was arrested. Wow. Wherein this particular person not been arrested, to my knowledge, unless they got him, like, within the past hour or two, you know, had had not been arrested. Now, and again, we don't know the whole truth. So we can't say that maybe the investigators don't have enough information or what, you know, but it's just the way that they handle it. And if this person was, was definitely violated or, or, or sexually assaulted, then yes, that person should be be held accountable for doing the. You know, he should be accountable for his actions. You know, you know, Greg. I just thought about um, a situation that happened quite a few years ago, where an NFL player had uh, been been involved in an altercation with an, with some gentlemen, and uh, the result was that. I believe it was either one or two men were killed. No, it was one person that was killed as a result of the altercation. And they had this particular player on trial, and he beat the case. You know, and I'm not saying he did anything wrong, you know, but, you know, the truth is the truth. I don't don't know all that happened. I don't know. I wasn't there. But the way that they handled the case, and, you know, it's, it's many years ago, it's been put behind them. But I believe that it would have been handled completely different had he not been a high-profile player. Mm-hmm. Now, when you when you look at the case, a person was killed. You know, and see, I'm going back to this thing with the animals because that's the thing that really kind of. And don't get me wrong, I I love animals. I you know I I used to own animals when I was young. I had plenty of dogs. I still have fish because they're easier to take care of. You know, but. I've had animals in the past. I love animals. I have a deep respect for people who take care of animals. But I'm never, ever going to place the life or the value of an animal over a human. And that's what I've seen in in the wake of the Michael Vick case. You have people who, who respect and take care of and love animals more than they do people. They buy expensive food for their animals to eat, wherein people are starving right here in America. And they would rather take care of their dog or their cat versus, hey, let's go ahead and donate some money to a soup kitchen. Well, no, I want to get my dog cloned or my animal or my my foofy cloned so that when she dies, I can have another one just like her. I know it costs $10,000, but that's how much I love my animal. But if you ask them to give $1,000 so some starving children could eat, they say, I can't afford it. And the beautiful thing about this country, Brian, is you 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 can make that decision on your own, and and no one should give you a hard time because that's a choice that you make. And people, you know, they they're just going to have to respect uh, people's decisions on what they're doing with their money because it is their money. I understand 100% what you're saying because mm-hmm. that that is the argument that a lot of people say is, well, hey, it, it this is me, this is what I do, this is what I want to do, and it, if you're blessing your animal, if you're blessing a human being or whatever you're doing, I mean, that's your life. You have that choice. But when it comes to destroying someone after they have been through the system, after they have uh, done 
the time or, or completed the punishment, whatever it, wherever it was that was imposed on them. And they've gone mm-hmm. through that. It's double jeopardy, Brian, if someone decides that, that this person needs to do this and they need to do that also as well. That's just double jeopardy. Absolutely. You know, and... And that's the and that's my beef. That's my personal beef with this whole situation. Okay, in the case of Michael Vick, he's done his time. That was the time they gave him. Financially, he's ruined. You know, and that's a really sad part about it is because most of the money that he owes is based on loans that were defaulted immediately after he went to jail. It's not that he couldn't pay the money. It's just that he couldn't pay the money up front, which is how the terms of the loan are written up, that you have to pay the money up front if you default on the loan. And defaulting means that if you lose your job, and see, most people don't know this. You lose your job, you have a change in uh, you know, employment, your credit rating goes too bad, you know, down too far. They have all these stipulations in these and these loan agreements, that if any of these things occur, you could be subject to paying the re- the remaining amount on the loan. So that's the reason he had to file bankruptcy. It's not that Michael Vick is completely broke. It's just that now he owes all these people who he borrowed money from. You know, so he might have, you know, let's say he's got $20 million in the bank, but he borrowed, you know, $100 million dollars, that he knew he'd be able to pay back because he had a $100 million contract at the time. So now all these creditors are saying, I want my $100 million. I want my, my piece of the $100 million right now. And if you can't pay it, then you got to liquidate all your assets. Mm. You know, so financially this guy is ruined. Well, uh, I'll say this and we can move on and talk about our, our other topic, but I'll say this. If anyone that has been tried and found guilty, jury or the judge decides to sentence this person and this person completes that, I say leave them alone. Mm-hmm. I, I say leave them alone. They've paid their debt to society. Leave them alone and allow them to work and live their dreams just as they did before they went in. That's my. Well, that's what I think about uh, the Michael Vick situation and Brian. Uh, this man is, has gone through so much He's done so much, and you can see mm-hmm. it when he's talking, and and you can tell that okay, he's remorseful. He's he's done his time, and what else do you want him to do? Is my question to to anyone that says that he should be this? What else do you want him to do? You know, Greg, it, it's funny you say that because I've I've heard on some of the shows, and I know we're going to get off this topic and go to the next, but I've heard some people even claim that he's not authentic or he's not genuine in his apologies. And, you know, even one of my Facebook friends said, you know, leave him alone. And he, they're even saying, I wish he would stop apologizing. You know, and that's the thing. You don't, you don't see these guys out here that beat their wives that are, you know, NBA players or NFL players or what have you, cocky players who get into these altercations who uh, go drunk driving and hit somebody and run them over and kill them. And you don't see them out there continuously going on 60 Minutes trying to apologize. 
You don't. You're right. They they give their statement and they move on with their lives. And here it is, Michael Vick has all you know he's going to be synonymous with you know dog fighting and injuring dogs and people are you know saying his punishment should be that someone put him in a ring with all those dogs and let the dogs chew him up. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that being the type of you know that's that's like a barbaric punishment. That's worse than what he did. You know, and people, I believe, in their in their sick minds, want to see that happen. Wow. Well, I, I I just hope that everything turns out for Michael Vick and for those that support him and for those that don't support him. I I just believe that there's going to be a story, a, a good story, and, and I believe it's going to be a good ending. To, to all of this, because it oh yeah, get, absolutely. It I just it can't get any worse. I, I hope not. I hope it can't get any worse. But moving on, Brian, to our next. Woo! This next one is is tough. Health care reform. Hmm. Brian, how much of this is actually true, and how much of this is a lot of lies, and how much of this is being brought up because of an African-American president or biracial president, how much of this is actually about the health care reform? You know what? I want somebody to actually tell me what the health care reform bill says. You see, that's the thing. People, in my opinion are gearing up because they know health care is a very hot topic, and they're using this health care hot topic issue to, in my opinion, attack the president, attack his credibility, attack his his poll numbers, if you know, what have you. You know, and that's the thing that's just so intriguing and also disturbing, that one minute you have, and, and, and again, I don't think it's the whole of America's, because, you know, to be perfectly honest, I haven't found many people who know the entire bill or the interworkings of the bill. You know, all they know is what they've seen on TV and what people on TV and the media has highlighted in the bill. You know, and, you know, you got one side that may highlight some things they love and the other side highlights things that they hate. And so you never really get the full gist of the bill. And that's sadly how most bills are discussed. People talk about a couple of the merits, and they talk about a couple of the drawbacks, but you never get the fine lines and all the intricacies discussed. But from what I've seen, people have said, well, they're going to have death panels. Well, there's nowhere in the bill that discusses that. There's nothing in the bill that says there's a death panel. This is propaganda that people are spewing because they want people to be afraid of signing in this universal health care. And, you know, it's funny. I'm reading um, from my Facebook people talking about it, and it says, Jesus was the originator of universal health care. How ironic that those who oppose it claim to be Christian conservatives. And then he goes on to say, pray for the president. I like that. I like that. Here it is, universal health care. Just the ability to go and get a checkup. 
most people aren't even discussing the fact that preventative health care actually saves money in the long run. You know, you go to the doctor and get a checkup, you might catch something uh, early if you have, let's say, a cancer or, you know, some type of debilitating disease that may, you know, you might catch it in the early enough stages where simple treatment may be the option. You know, versus you go in there at at the very last stages because you can't afford to go or you can't afford to continue to go to get, you know, to get treatments. And so you go into these last stages and you got to sit in the hospital for two months, you know, at $1,000 a day, and nobody's paying that bill. Mm-hmm. See, people aren't discussing those merits. What they want to talk about is, well, not everybody. The president said that everybody would be able to get health care. Well, this bill is not going to let 37 million Americans get it. Well, 37 million Americans might be making, you know, over 200 you know, thousand or a million. Let's say these thirty-seven million Americans that he's talking about are all multimillionaires. Well, multimillionaires can pretty much afford health care. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just my humble opinion. If you're making a hundred million dollars a year, you don't need uh, anybody to pay for your health care. Well, let me ask you this: the, for the people that are at the town hall meetings, that the ones that are don't like the health care reform and they're they're fussing and they're standing up against it, uh, which we, we've seen um, a lot of Republicans uh, are standing up against it. My question is, what is their plan? What do mm. they, What is the solution? I, I hear a lot of attacks. I hear a lot of questions about what the president is doing, but what is the plan for those that that think that he's wrong what is come up with a better plan what can we come up with what do you have other than well, fighting and 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 some of the people not all right not all but a lot of people are are not saying the right things and they're saying things to mislead people into thinking that uh this is uh, uh our leader is, is, is a nazi I, I saw a young lady just last night on television, she was holding up a, a picture of Obama, but she threw in a mustache and made him look like she's comparing him to Hitler. Mm-hmm. Come on. It's like I said, they they talk about this thing, and they say socialized health care. It's not socialized. It's socialism. And, you know, it's like, okay, you're assuming because we want people to be able to go to the doctor without having to worry about, you know, an issue of cost across the board. Something that for for people who can afford it, they don't think about it. You know, think about the young lady who has who's a single parent whose premiums have doubled and tripled in the past couple of years. Or about the family that uh that's premiums have tripled while their income has declined. You know? Those are the people who really need health care and who really appreciate and understand the bill. Not the folks that are saying, okay, this bill is going to lead to higher costs, and so I'm going to have to pay higher taxes. Well, when you really look at it, are you going to pay higher taxes? Because if you're not paying a huge doctor bill, you're offsetting the cost by adding a little bit of money back into the pot. So are you saving? Uh, yeah. Maybe not as much as you would like to save it because it's not universal health care 
I mean, it's not free health care. It's universal health care, meaning everybody gets the opportunity to get it. And if if I have to spend, let's say, an extra $5 a month so that everybody can get health care, well, you know, to me that's money that I don't mind spending, you know, because at the same time I'm going to be able to go to the doctor when I want to and I'm going to I'm going to recoup those costs. And then my money may or may not have to go back into other social programs that are helping people who are sick. You see, it's it, it, and they call it socialism, but to me I call it helping my brother. But you know, Greg, here answer this question, Greg. I, I read something that was really really disturbingly funny, but disturbing nonetheless the other day. There's actually a House bill that uh, has been out there that's discussed giving pet owners a $3,500 I mean, $3, tax credit that they can write off for the care of their pet. Now, it hasn't passed, but it's a bill that's out there on the books. Now, tell me what you think about that. I don't, I don't even know where to begin. I, I am I'm so I I don't know where to begin. I, I don't even have a, a answer for that. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but I, I I think there are more important things out there. I think that you know you and I we go out and we see people struggling. Mm-hmm. If if you have the people that are in a certain group, and let's say this group is a wealthy group. If they don't come in contact with the people that are struggling, the people that don't have a home or the people that don't have health care, that when they go to the doctor, they, 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 they won't keep them. They keep sending them home because they don't have insurance. They don't want that high bill. And this person is probably dying, and they're being turned away. That person will not understand what it's like not to have health care. They won't understand that. They won't understand what it's like to see someone uh, feeling the hurt of, do you have insurance? Can What hospital or where can we take you? No, I don't have it. But, they're the, you know, they may not be dying at that moment. And they turn them away and, and they just don't have, they're just not getting the care that they really need. Or you see a person that's just retired. They have to choose between medicine and food. Mm-hmm. But then when you have someone that's standing up there fighting against this bill or any bill or, or not coming up with a situation or, or idea to say this is how we should do this, but then it looks like you're saying uh, that's okay uh, as long as I can not pay taxes. I can care less if the other person on the low totem pole gets any help or gets any insurance, I can care less. Here's, I found information on this bill, Greg. I want to read it a little bit. It talks about, uh, it was introduced by Representative Thaddeus McCotter, a Republican of Michigan, and it said he is taking a ribbing on this because the unemployment rate in his home state is 15.2%, but yet and still he wants to talk about an individual pet tax return who would give pet owners a pet damage credit for things like 
you know, if a dog throws up on your carpet or whatever it does on your carpet or mall furniture, and it says that you can also deduct expenses for your pet's medical care if those costs exceed 7.5% of the adjusted gross income. So you, so this bill would actually give your pets better medical bill, medical bill tax treatment than you because you can't deduct 7.5% of, of your adjusted gross income. Is that not crazy? <laughs> Let's go to the line, Brian. We have uh, a call in. Let's see if they have any questions or comments for us. All right, we have a caller from the 404 area code. Caller, you're on live. Caller from the 404 area code, you're live. All right, maybe they're just listening in, and that's quite all right. Well, you know, it's so sad that the fighting, the shouting, I mean, it's not accomplishing anything when you do that. It's not. No. I, I, I mean, I've never seen so many town hall meetings in my life, which is, which I mean, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to go out and talk with the American people. People should be able to have access to the politicians and the ones that they're voting for or voting against. They should have that ability to, to question them. Mm-hmm. But to bring guns to events. Yeah, that's that's kind of scary when you start seeing that on on television because everybody uh, can't restrain themselves. I, I saw a, a gentleman grab another man because he was saying something, and we have to understand that we can't force our beliefs on someone else. We can't make someone change their mind and think the way that we think. Right. Right. And, and if someone is bringing a gun, guns, I mean, I know that you have the Constitution that supports, uh, or well, the, you have those rights to do certain things. But I, I just don't see where a gun uh, at an event like this makes any sense at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that, that personally, just was that scared me. Because I'm thinking, you know, and the event we're talking about is when uh, President Obama was in Arizona and he was speaking on health care reform and you had a, a group of individuals that were exercising their constitutional rights by carrying their weapons. Right. And, you know, in Arizona, you don't need a concealed weapons permit to carry a weapon. So they were exercising their constitutional right to carry assault rifles and they were at the event with their assault rifles. And they weren't breaking any laws. You know, but the police were monitoring the situation, as they put it. You know, but to me, that's one, for one, that's a sign of disrespect. Because I can't recall any other time where a sitting American president visited a group to speak to them on an important issue, and you had a group of individuals with their assault rifles just saying, oh, we're exercising our constitutional uh, privileges or rights or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, that it was disrespectful of them to even mention the Constitution and the right to bear arms. And this issue was all about, it was really, 
more about health care. Well, it was about health care, not about their right to bear arms. With the last president we had in office, did you see anyone at any events with a gun? Can't recall. Why is that? Why is it now we're, we're having such an outcry? I, I guess um, some people would say we didn't have to deal with the health care reform. We didn't. That that wasn't an issue back then. But I remember when the issue was about abortions. Mm-hmm. Even then, they didn't have guns. They didn't bring guns. Even then. I guess because they didn't have any town hall meetings, you know, and, and I guess I have to be fair to, to everyone. If they had a town hall meetings, I'm sure it probably would have got a little heated because you're talking about abortion. Right. But the fact of the matter is the administration that we had before just wasn't willing to go out and meet with the people and talk with the people and and, and, and deal with them. Not in a manner that Obama is doing, you know, and, you know, and I applaud the president because, you know, he's taking some serious heat over this, you know, and partly because people don't understand the entire bill. And, they, and they're only taking out pieces that they don't like. Well, there's always going to be something in a bill or a plan or an idea that somebody doesn't like. That doesn't mean you take it out. I mean, you have to look out for the greater good. You know, I mean, there's things that, that uh, there's rules and laws and regulations that everybody has to follow. That I mean, there's some things I don't like about some rules and laws, but I follow them because I have to, because that's the rule of law. That's the reason you have rules and laws. Well, what about the people that are giving out false information? Well, you know that happens everywhere. That's not just something that's occurring because uh, you know President Obama is there in office. That's going to happen. Anytime people want their agenda pushed, you know, and so, you know, that's always a given. You know, you have somebody like, uh, you know, uh, well, I'm not going to even mention her because she's not even a uh, topic of discussion tonight. But, you know, we have uh, certain individuals who, you know, are prominent in the Republican Party that are saying, yeah, they're going to have death panels. Well, that's not, nothing in the bill suggests that, nothing. But they're coming up with this stuff because, that, because they work on propaganda and fear. Now, if you're afraid that you might lose your freedom of, um, of choice because you can't choose your doctor, that's not what the bill says. You know, or you might have to go to a certain thing and you might not be able to get certain procedures unless they're approved by the government. Well, that's not what the bill says. The bill says a lot of stuff, but it doesn't say that. But they're saying it says that. Because most people are just going to believe what they hear versus what they, you know, because they're not going to take the time to sit back and read it. They're going to say, okay, what does it say? They're going to ask Somebody else. You know, it, it's strange. When I used to, uh, when I would go out and vote, people would call me, like friends, family, what have you, some church members. They would say, what do you think, Brian? How should we vote on this topic or this issue? You know, they would call me while they were getting ready to walk in to the polling booth. Um, and I'd tell them, I said, you haven't researched this? 
I said, I'll tell you what I think, but you need to research it for yourself and, and decide whether this is something that you believe or don't believe. I said, don't take my word for it because I might be wrong. But see, that's the thing. People go by what somebody else tells them. And how many people know that secondhand information is not always accurate? Brian, do you think that someone or, or groups or somebody's behind all of this, uh, the town halls, that they're deliberately spreading wrong information, the wrong information uh, to, 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 to make the president's numbers drop? in the polls or to make him not look as sure of himself or to make him look as if he doesn't know what he's talking about when he's talking about the health care. Well, you know, it's funny because I think that they're going to do everything and anything they can to mess that whole thing up, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. They're trying to mess up everything that he's doing. You know, so of course, yeah, they're going to put propaganda out there. They're going to they're going to talk bad about the president. They're going to say he's lying, he's cheating. I mean, if my memory serves me, last month they were trying to discredit the fact that he was he's even the president. They were saying that he wasn't born in Hawaii, that his birth certificate was fake, that he was a dual citizen. If I can remember during the election time, they were saying that he was a Muslim. I mean, so, you know, you got these propaganda artists, and they're very good at what they do because they'll put information out there that they know is a lie. They know it's a lie. And it spreads. It spreads and it like spreads that. because, you know, I mean, they'll put something out there, and some people believe whatever you tell them. They just believe it. You know, and you you tell them one thing, they believe it. They're going to go with it, and and nothing you can do after that to say, oh, well, no, that's not the truth. I, I, I messed up. No, they're going to believe what you said, and they're going to run with it. But again, Brian, the ones that are doing all of the attacking, the ones that are doing and talking about it the most on television, the ones that are against it the most are the ones, Brian, that will not give a plan, will not give a solution mm-hmm. to what or how this should be done. It's just attack, attack, attack without giving any kind of uh, half a decent opinion of what the, of how this should be handled. And I said again, even even in even with the, the debates and it with the, the before uh, the president won, the, you had people saying and doing things, but they never would give you a plan. They never had a plan. They never had any solutions or, or ideas of how to deal with certain things or, or to deal with the economy. The economy was the big thing then. Mm-hmm. Their thing was do nothing. Yeah, remember they had 18 pages yeah, do of nothing? nothing? Do nothing. <laughs> but but yet you're saying do nothing when you have a family with with a kid that may have cancer or and this person is dying and they don't have the, the money to pay for the medicine. Because Brian, a lot of this medicine is, is three hundred. Maybe some of it can go as high as three, four hundred dollars a bottle a month. That's a month. Now, wow. You know what? I I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to read what one of my Facebook friends said. He says, "I think that government is horribly inefficient with running the country 
So why would I trust them with decisions that affect my good health? Just because there's something is cheaper doesn't mean it's better. By the way, I take vitamins instead of big pharma's legalized poison for my well-being. Of course, it makes sense that big pharma would what, want the government to regulate what natural remedies I put in my body. And, of course, you know that they would push for an end to holistic treatments. Now, see, again, you know, while I kind of, I'm not saying that uh, I all wholeheartedly agree, but, again, these are some of the fears that some people have. You know, they they fear that the government is going to stop them from, you know, not allow them to, let's say, take uh, holistic treatments or do um, exploratory medicine. You know, these are all the things that this bill did not say they were going to do. You know, they say that 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 big big, that big farm that pharmacies and pharmaceutical companies are going to force the government to end holistic treatments. And see, again, this is nothing that this bill has said, nothing that this bill has said has even indicated that. But people are wondering and working on fear. And, of course, you know, the Republican Party loving it because this is what's keeping them in the forefront. You know, because in my opinion, that's what it's about. It's about keeping the Republican Party in the forefront because right now they're behind Right now, they don't have a solution. Their solution is don't do it. Their solution is don't do it. It's going to cost too much. How much of this is about saving the big businesses money? It's all about it. That's what it's about. It's about it's about them not dipping into the pockets of big of big comp, of big business. So, do you do you, do you believe in, in, in most of the Americans? Do you do you think that people believe that? We have a government, or we have people in high in high places that would rather make money than help people live. Well, let's see. Um, they, the Republican Party, and you know, and I'm not I'm not picking on the Republican Party, so don't get me wrong. I'm just looking at the things that they talked about getting rid of. They try they try to dissolve social services. You know, they don't believe in social service programs. They say they're a waste of money. You know, welfare is a waste of money. All these programs that are designed to help people are a bunch of a waste of money. You know, and the whole time they believe in, oh, we shouldn't have to spend this much money on this. And, again, they have god-awful amounts of of income and finance. And, I mean, I just look at the federal subsidies from last year. They're pe- the government... Is paying millions of dollars of people so they won't grow food. Now, help me out here. Weren't they just really just discuss, discussing a food shortage not too long ago? Because of uh, and and the Republicans saying it was because of ethanol and corn. You know, so there's a there's a food shortage now. There's going to be a food shortage of rice and bio because people are making biofuels. And so they didn't want you to make biofuels. They wanted you to stay making, you know, uh, stay keeping big oil making, you know, what, $150 billion a year. <laughs> you know, when prior to this oil shortage or crisis or whatever, they were collectively making $15 billion a year. Now some of them were making $15 billion a quarter. 
So they didn't want you making uh, biofuels, so they came up with this idea of a food shortage. But at the same time, federal subsidy programs were paying people not to grow food, not to produce food. I mean, if I had a hundred million, if I had a, a hundred acres, I'd probably take the federal subsidy money too, not to grow something. <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, if if you're gonna, if the government is gonna give you that kind of money, but see, that's that's my issue. They have no problem with paying that kind of millions of dollars to do that, in order to keep relations with other countries that produce those products. You see, so it's all, you know, it's all a farce, if you ask me. It's all basically designed to keep somebody's pockets full of money. You know, I I just believe that we live in the greatest country in the world. We do. I think that we have probably uh, some of the best people in the world living here. Absolutely. And I I honestly, honestly believe that we shouldn't run to the government for everything. Yeah, we shouldn't. I think as a people... We can do some things that the government can't. Mm-hmm. And, and as a whole, uh, the American people uh, can do things without the government. You yes. see people doing it every day. I, I just truly believe that if, if people would volunteer more time in their, mm-hmm. in their communities to help people or to, to just to reach out and not so much argue and fight, but to reach out to touch two people a day, just two people a day, how much better this world would be. And we have so much food. Uh, Brian, there's not a shortage of food. We no. have so much food that a lot of the food that are in our cabinet, it's been, some of it has been there so long it's no good. Or it's going to be there and you know that you're not going to eat it. Why not donate it? Give it to someone. Reach out to someone. You can't wear your clothes. It, you know, some some of the clothes that you have, they're too small. Don't hold on to them. Give them to someone. Reach out and help someone. Yeah, I agree. And let's not so much just depend on the government, which we have so many people that do that. They depend and they're always looking for a handout. No, no. Let's do our part. We can do that. Yeah, I agree. You know, but there lies the dilemma, because not everybody's going to feel comfortable with doing that, and not everybody's going to think, going to believe that that's the solution. You know, and that's why, you know, like I said, I applaud the president, because he's probably become the president at the absolute best and worst time ever. You know, because, again, he's got the toughest job on the planet right now, you know, to pull the greatest country on the planet out of one of the worst economic times known to man or known to this country. You know, I would say it's probably not as bad as the Great Depression, but I would definitely say that money-wise we probably are in debt way, you know, larger than the Great Depression could ever imagine. But see, the beauty about the Great Depression is at the height of the Great Depression, there were more minority millionaires out there than ever. And it was during the Harlem Renaissance. So 
you know, we know that we can still we can still pull this thing out. And we will. We will. You know, and, and you know, because in my opinion, it's it's really, I think this whole thing of this depression recession is really about getting minorities off their behinds to get in gear, getting people from the lower socioeconomic uh, areas off their behinds. Because, you know, it's not just minorities that are hurting. It's not just minorities that are in need, but, but people in general are in need. You know, I just found out recently that some of my family members had been out of work for months, had no clue. You know why? They were still trying to make things happen, still moving and shaking. And I'm like, you haven't worked? Like, no. I couldn't tell. You say, why, why would I let it, you know, bring me down? You know, you see them, they're still happy. They're still, you know, bouncing around like nothing's wrong. And I'm like, man, are you crazy? I'd be a little concerned. It's like I'm not concerned because I, I made it this far. You know, so, you know, some people look at it, look at it as being set back. But, you know, I'll, like I always say, and I've heard said, so I use this all the time, a setback is just a setup for a comeback. So the farther you set back, that just means the greater your comeback is going to be. This is America. It's, it's going to bounce back. We're going to bounce back, and, and we're, we're bouncing back now. We're bouncing back. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we, we're all going to pull together and uh, make make it work. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. Matter. And you know what? I always, I always, in my mind, we're already there. We're already there. In my mind, I, I see us that we've already bounced back. You know, it's it's like when somebody throws the baseball. You may not see them catch it, but you know that you know when you see that mitt move, you know the ball's already in their hand. <laughs> and so the ball's already in the hand. We just hadn't seen the mitt move yet because it's happening. It's happening fast. You know, and I believe that that come this time next year we'll be saying what recession I think we're going to be I think we're going to be okay I just think as as a people we need to pull together and continue to try to help each other and, and we're not forcing that on anyone that you have to help someone no we're not doing that no but that's just what Americans do we we reach out and we help each other yeah, but the one thing that I do believe we need to do is we need to support the president. We need to get behind him because, after all, he is the leader of the country. We may not agree with everything he says, but at least we can help him do something. You know, just complaining about what he he's done or complaining, oh, the health care bill is not going to work. Well, tell me what's going to work. You know, I, I was always told if you don't have a solution, don't offer your opinion. You know, and, and I, I was also told if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say nothing. <laughs> you know, but my opinion, my personal opinion is that we need to get behind the president. If he has a plan, let's see how we can make the plan work versus putting holes in the plan before it's even been implemented. You know, if you don't like something in the plan, tell us how to make it better. Tell us what to do to make it better. Don't just take out the stuff that you don't like. Tell us why you believe it's not going to work and, and give us a better solution. 
But with that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight. We ask you that you join us again tomorrow. We bid you good evening. God bless you all, and good night.